1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860, uh, as well as Womentowatch.net. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm being joined this week, as I am every week, with Dr. Beth Dupree, who is actually, uh, I can see her lovely face on my Skype this afternoon, which is terrific, and uh, and she'll be calling in from the hospital. And I always want to say thank you to Holy Redeemer Hospital for sponsoring Women to Watch. and allowing us to bring you all these great guests that we have every week. Uh, On Hold is our guest for this week, and her name is Alicia Ciret, and she's the founder and CEO at Pantagrian Capital, which is an angel investment firm in New York. Um, And we're so happy to have her joining us. We're going to be learning a lot about venture capitalism and angel investing. And I have a lot of questions for Alicia. But before we get started with her, we're going to check in with Beth. And uh, I always want to know what you've done over the weekend because it's usually something exciting.
2: It's always exciting. And I love our new technologically advanced uh, show communications. We have our Skype on... uh kind of on silence so I can see what Sue's up to and that way I can wave my arms hysterically in the air if I need to say something <laughs> so we don't talk over each other but uh, technology is great we just have to remember to use technology and not let it use us. That's right. So that's our goal. Good tip. So this weekend was fabulous. The, uh, I was actually off on Friday which was the uh, the observed 4th of July and my family and I took a little hike through Washington Crossing State Park. We did about a nine mile trek and it was absolutely fabul- fabulous and beautiful, and it was a great day. And there was only one bad part. Uh, we didn't really check where we came out at the end of the hike, and we ended up on a main road and had to walk for about a mile. Um, so that was, like, the bad part, which I would not redo that part again. So that was that was the only part of the poor planning, but otherwise it was an amazing nine-mile hike, and I, uh, I hit 30,000 steps on my Fitbit. So I'm not sure what that translates into in in miles but i was pretty excited about that because i got a little badge on my iphone that came to me and said oh you hit 30,000 steps so i guess that was a pretty big uh pretty big step uh i guess challenge or something i don't know how fitbit does it but i'm just keeping track of how much i move because it's uh, it's all it's always good to be out
1: there and moving right yeah it's it's a lot more steps than i've ever taken and <laughs> one time
2: I also got my flow hive in the mail, and I don't know if we talked about this before on the air or if we talked at dinner, but, you know, I'm a beekeeper, mm-hmm. and earlier this winter, I had purchased online a these hives from Australia, which allow you to extract the honey but not completely disrupt the business of the of the honey making and so these flow hives this was the company i I think i did talk to you about it they their goal was to raise seventy thousand dollars on this indigo startup thing and they ended up raising 13 million right three months so they kind of overshot the mark but kudos to them because i got my hive um i got the chambers um last uh last friday or thursday and they, their projected date when I bought it was the second week of June. So even with all of that financial success and the number of orders, I'm, I think it was pretty awesome that they still were able to follow through. So I'll keep you posted on that. My son, Dean, is making the um, the hive deep, the the, the wooden deep that, the, that those little cells will sit in. So he's going to make a plexiglass side we, so we can watch the bees making the honey before we... Uh, um, extract it. I, I don't want to call stealing it. We're just going to borrow it, and then they'll they'll make some more. But yeah. <laughs> uh, it's absolutely, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I will definitely post pictures on Facebook and Twitter because it's a very cool process. The bees are amazing, and their honey is phenomenal.
1: Well, you know, I'm just fascinated by how uh, popular it is to be a beekeeper today. I don't, I didn't know anyone, certainly growing up, that was doing it, and now it's. I don't know if it's big business. Like, is there, is there big money in beekeeping, or is it, you know? Um,
2: well, there's, there's definitely money, but the bees play an important role because a lot of the bees get taken out to California so that they help with the almond crops because without the pollination, you don't get the crops. So there is there is a big business. It may not just be on the honey production, but there's also on the pollination aspect mm-hmm. because that, that is a business. And, and, you know, a lot of times you'll see the hives on the back of trucks traveling back and forth across the country. So it's pretty cool. I just, I just find it fascinating that that many you know, thousands and thousands of little bees work together, and they all, they don't get in each other's way. Like, they they do their thing, and they just kind of go, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, they get along. Love it. <laughs> yeah. And yesterday, who didn't, I don't know if you watched the soccer match, but I was in the car, I had, I had dropped my son and his girlfriend off at the airport, and within the first five minutes of the game you know there were four goals and i couldn't get it on any kind of electronic device but you know god love all the people that sat in front of their tv because i kept getting little clips on twitter people would flash out like a 10 second video clip right so right. i was able to watch the goals and then you know my husband and i were like stuck to the tv till the end because it was just so amazing for these women to you know to reach that you know the World Cup and, and um, for a lot of the team members, they've been on that team for, you know, 16, you know, 18 years. And to end their careers with that kind of a high um, was just absolutely phenomenal. And Carly Lloyd, our, our local New Jerseyan, um, got a hat trick, which is uh, she scored three of the first four goals. Right. And that is unheard of in this kind of level of competition. And uh, the one goal was for midfield. And that was absolutely crazy. The know, ball just yeah. went right over top of the goalie's head yeah. and into the... So I, I just, I was thrilled for these American women because, you know, I wanted to be an Olympic athlete when I was young. I didn't really know what sport I wanted to play, but it was, it was on my uh, bucket list. So I guess I'll have to do that next time around. Cause yeah, it's never too late. Not happen in this lifetime. <laughs> to
1: me, but we, it we watched wonderful. it. It's the epitome of girl power. I was very excited for that.
2: It was totally awesome, and they were so classy. Um, you know the way that they. The way that they uh, made the tunnel for the japanese women to come through to get their medals and uh, also the the fact that the two i guess the two captains who are going to be not on the team anymore i believe um, were the ones that got to actually raise the the cup to you know raise the trophy so i think it was just it was really an amazing (laughs) display of athleticism and and I just, I, I was very proud to be an American, and it happened on Fourth of July weekend, so what's better than that?
1: Yeah, well, it was something to look forward to on a Sunday night when it's the end of a long holiday weekend and everyone's kind of, you know, dragging themselves back home. So I Yeah, was... now
2: I, I, just, I just finished a full day of surgery at Holy Redeemer, so... I finished my last case around twenty after two so thanks for the later start in the afternoon because it lets me get another case on the schedule. Yes. So my staff is happy with me because I'm not I don't have to rush to get anywhere. I just get to walk upstairs to labor and delivery and hide out in my pseudo studio up here which is kinda cool. Yeah. So um I, I'm excited to hear from our guest today too because uh you know, I want to know what angel funding is. There's, there are a lot of questions. I have more questions on um, the list of things that she does than I actually have answers. So, kind of excited to meet her.
1: Well, I'm going to introduce her now, and we, you know, we always, uh, or we, I should say, we never have enough time. Um, but we're going to try to get through and, and hear as much as we can from Alicia. And real quick for the listeners, if you're listening and, and you'd like to join in the conversation, um, feel free to dial in into triple eight three two nine. Thirty-three oh six. That's 888-329-3306. Um, we are welcoming Alicia Ciret. I hope I'm pronouncing, Alicia, your last name correctly, because we have yet to speak in person. And Alicia is the founder and CEO at Pantagreon Capital in New York, which is an angel investment firm. Um, and we welcome you to the show. Hi. Hi. So great to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm really excited to be here. And, you know, of course, we wanted you to be here in person in the studio, but maybe we can do that down the road.
3: Sure, we'll, we'll definitely do it sometime in the future.
1: Um, Alicia, as you know, I, I did tell you a little bit about the show, and we always want to start off with our guest's background and give the audience a sense of where you came from, where you grew up, and how you landed um, you know, this company, which, which really is a big deal. So talk for a few minutes about your years growing up in South Carolina.
3: Yeah, so I was born and raised in South Carolina all 18 years, and um, not to go into too much detail there, but you know I would probably say that I was um, into a lot of different things in high school, but I, uh, in particular, loved math. That was probably one of my biggest passions. Mm-hmm. And so when I decided where to go to college, um, I went kind of nearby where you are. I went to uh, Wharton undergrad at UPenn. Right. And the real reason I went there was um, was because I loved the idea of using math in the Finance world versus uh, maybe going an engineering route, and so um, so yeah, I had uh, you know was. Spent my time in south carolina but really yearning to (laughs) to see more of the world and um just kind of threw myself into anything and everything i could do to you know to have opportunities to go elsewhere and um went to philadelphia for school studied finance and accounting uh worked and uh graduated you know worked hard graduated a little early and have spent the last I don't know, 10, 10, 15 years in uh, the financial world, mostly in hedge funds and and, uh, private equity firms. My last role had been I was the first employee and CAO of what we grew into a multi-billion-dollar asset management firm, and it was really that experience as an entrepreneur firsthand um, that you know made me so excited about the startup world. Um, when we were launching that company, I was in a position to just do anything and everything to get it to get it up and running. I mean that was like. You know, we we launched simultaneously in New York, London, Hong Kong, and Mumbai, um, and so it was crazy. It was like drinking from a fire hose. You know, 6 a.m. calls with Hong Kong and 6 wow. p.m. calls with Hong Kong, and. You know, and I, I just kind of threw myself into it and learned everything from scratch. You know, how do you um, work with lawyers to create compensation agreements, employee handbooks? How do you create an internet and intranet? How do you set up healthcare and retirement platforms, not only in the U.S. but in all the other jurisdictions I mentioned? What's DNO coverage? How do you set up insurance plans for people? You know, what are all the vendors that you work with, etc. Um, anyway, my time in finance was, you know, worked out quite well for me and. Um, after i vested at my last company i took some time off to travel a bit and um, just by happenstance went to a panel on in angel investing because i was trying to figure out like you know what do i do next i after i invested the you know the firm was steady state and i i kind of missed that excitement of launching and building a company mm-hmm. and um you know I went to a panel on angel investing, and I heard some prominent angel investors talk about how if you 're an entrepreneur in the past, you can really help startups grow you know if you do it right, you can make money doing it and um, you have a lot of fun mentoring people and, and most importantly, no matter what goes on in the economy, the ups or the downs um, th- there 's always a, an area of growth in the um, startup world and I thought that 's it that 's what I want to do. Uh, so when I came back from my travels, I launched my company, Pantegrion Capital, which, by the way, is just uh, an amalgamation of the words p- passion and integrity. Right, <laughs> so right. It's I a love P-A-N-O-N that. the O N from passion, and the middle part is from integrity. And um, it's because, you know, I, I truly believe those are the two most crucial traits in uh, any entrepreneur. And so it's been upwards of four years now that I've been uh, investing in startups. And I've, I've been doing this full time. So as you might imagine, um, my learning curve has been pretty steep and so So now, you know, fast forward four or so years into it, I sit on the board of New York Angels, which is, you know, certainly one of the most active angel groups in the country. Um, I've taught, I've been an instructor in in, uh, Steve Blank's Launchpad class at Columbia Business School. I Sit on you know six or seven different advisory boards. I'm a member of Women Corporate Directors, um, and I am also you probably saw I'm a recurring panelist on uh, CNBC's Power Pitch. Yes. And I've yes. done you know done some other TV stuff too, but that that's a pretty big commitment for me. So I'm kind of I'm all in. I'm like all in the <laughs> ecosystem and working actively with companies and doing a lot of speaking and just really really passionate about um, high growth companies and um, you know in particular women entrepreneurs and and women angel investors uh, and I, I would love to see both of those areas grow as they as they have done uh, but continue to grow uh, at great lengths going forward
1: yeah well you know what we're seeing it you know I think it's such an exciting time for women and I learn every week what's going on um, you know out in the business world and with the economy and the con- contribution that women are making and I think it's it's just you know it's bigger now than it's ever been um, mm-hmm. I want one of the, it's funny I, I was uh, reading a post to Today on LinkedIn about intrapreneurship as opposed to entrepreneurship. And I wanted to ask you, um, I mean, I think I know what the difference is, but what is this new catchphrase, intrapreneurship?
3: I believe they're referring to doing something innovative within a a large corporate environment because I think a lot of corporations are trying to instill that in their culture. You know, the last thing they want to do is be seen as that heavy bureaucratic beast that that holds them back and that startups can come and, and disrupt them out of their business. So if they can create that environment internally, And um, and really innovate, uh, then, you know, hopefully they won't be uh, innovated out of business by somebody else.
1: Well, and is it also that they don't want to lose perhaps some of their best employees um, to, you know, to go out and start their own companies?
3: Yes, I think that's absolutely
1: part of it too. Yeah, let me. I want to backtrack a little bit, Alicia. I, you know, your background is so impressive, and I, I one of the questions I had for you, I, you know, you mentioned you graduated from Penn and you got a B.S. in economics. Um yes. What did it? And you graduated magna cum laude. You know, Penn is <laughs> one of the toughest schools in the country. What was it um, that you did, or what did it take to achieve the level of success that you did academically at Penn? <laughs>
3: Um, you know, it's so funny you brought up my honors. I'm still kind of annoyed. I missed summa by one grade, but <laughs> that's by the point. No fair. You know, I, <laughs> I think, um, honestly, I think it was, I mean, well, I guess we'll speak very frankly in, in the um, call today. I think it was probably a really... Um, deep feeling that I had to prove myself, you know, like I, like I said, I grew up, uh, was born and raised in South Carolina, and I was well aware of all the stereotypes that come along with that, you know, coming into Penn, I still had a bit of an accent back then, I was worried that maybe I wasn't smart enough, and I, um, I remember my first semester there, I think the first semester I got like two A's and two B's, and I thought that was fine, and I remember coming back second semester, and one of the seniors telling me like, you'll never get a job with those grades like you better buckle down and like you I just was horrified. I was like, wow, I didn't realize it was that competitive and and from that point on, I just thought if this is the only objective way that I have to prove myself that I can really compete in these leagues that I'm going to have to sit down and focus solely on on all of these things going forward getting great internships and doing the best I can in all of my classes and luckily I really took to the finance discipline anything that was very quantitative was, was something that I really enjoyed mm-hmm. um, but I but I really felt like it was something it was an objective measure that could prove that you know despite not maybe growing up in areas where I knew people in New York City or you know people in the finance world um, that, that I could somehow overcome those stereotypes that maybe came along with me from growing up in South Carolina.
2: Yeah, that's you. You, you have, go you ahead, have No accent whatsoever.
1: No, she's lost oh, yeah. it completely. <laughs> I,
2: I, I cannot even hear a hint of Southern in your voice. Did you? have Yeah, to I think work it kind that? of it, it stopped over time. <laughs> when you were when you grew up in South Carolina, I mean, South Carolina is a beautiful, beautiful uh, state. Um, When you were in high school, did you, were there activities that you, did you do sports? Were you in student council? What kind of things did you do in high school that had you engaged in, you know, relationships with other people and stuff like that?
3: You know, really, anything that I could try, I would do. Um, You know, I remember competing in acting uh, contests, I remember um, competing in debate competitions, I uh, took art classes, won awards in in that area, I did youth in government, Um, I mean it was really anything and everything I could do to, you know, just try to work harder or show leadership in some way, um, and, and, yeah, I mean, it, it was just like whatever was offered, that, that was what I was going to do. I also, when I was in high school, took a summer and worked at Clemson University where I um, did research in their entomology department, which is kind of a, a bizarre um, thing, but I, you know, so entomology meaning the study of insects, as you know, and I was out in the field collecting insects and in streams in the Great Smoky Mountains, bringing them back to the lab with, really, at the time, one of the foremost entomologists in the country. And um, and then we later published that research. So, I, you know, I think that kind of gave me a bit of an edge uh, going into college, too. But, but it was a little bit of everything, you know, like all the things that I mentioned, uh, acting, debate, government, math, uh, science, anything I could really get my hands on. I took courses so, at the University of South Carolina the summer before college just to try to, you know, catch up a bit, I think.
2: It sounds like you're very much a renaissance woman. Uh, At least uh, you kind of did whatever you, you know, it sounds like you excelled at many things that you did and just kept adding new ones to the list. But we find that in a lot of of our guests who are are entrepreneurs and very great leaders, they've done a wide variety of activities and tended to do quite well in, in almost all the ones that they tried, which I think keeps you excited about moving into something else new and trying you know that that adventure of okay let me try something else now because i nailed this one so absolutely
3: i feel like that now in life i'm always looking for new things to try and living in new york city that could be like taking a knitting class or learning how to bartend or taking a sculpting class i mean it's just anything that i can really get my hands on and and try to do something new and learn um and i look at my own career and i think i've tried a bunch of different things along the way whether it was doing recruiting or banking or managing uh stock portfolios or starting a company and running operations, it's like it doesn't I mean it scares me of course to try something new but I'm so happy after it's done that it just makes me, you know, want to continuously try new things and travel and, and um
1: experiment. You know, Alicia, it takes a lot of confidence to, to, um, you know, always be trying something new. And you mentioned that your mom was a big influence on you growing up. Can you talk for a few minutes about her and what, what it was that she instilled in you?
3: yeah i mean it's I think I had mentioned to you earlier she 's since passed away so i 'll say that right up front if you hear me talk about her in the past tense but i you know I think about it now in terms of my life and how much she 's influenced me and you know, i don 't know if I really realized it as much when I was younger, but I certainly do appreciate it now. My mom when I was growing up she was she was this like just wonderfully charming dynamic um, woman who was incredibly smart. I mean, she and my father went to high school together, and she was, I think, ranked third, and maybe he was fourth. And she, just growing up, she was um, so encouraging. Like, it was always like, go for it, you can do it. You know, we, we just, like, had this confidence from her and i I don't remember now that i think back i don't really remember ever seeing her in a position where she wasn't confident or she was scared about things i mean she was the type of person who was like you know come on this roller coaster with me you could do it and she was a very accomplished artist and um very adventurous you know the type of person that would be like let's just get on a cruise or let's drive to New York (laughs) and um you know she and she was a teacher too she taught um She taught art, but she also uh, taught disabled children, so she was incredibly patient. And one of the things I marvel at now is how much she Really trusted us to find our own way. Like we we always had enough rope to hang ourselves with. And I and I'm kind of floored thinking about that now. You know the time that we had to kind of like play on our own in the neighborhood or walk to and from school. I mean, just it doesn't seem like those things are as possible today. But um, you know we also lived in in a, a smaller community where people would walk across the street to borrow sugar. And you know when we were really little, we were like wearing bonnets to church on the weekend, and she was making our clothes. So. So maybe that, you know, that counts for something in, in terms of a different environment. But she just was very empowering. I mean, there was, like, we, she made us believe there was nothing that we couldn't do. And if we got a B, it was fine as long as that we tried our best. You know, it was just she didn't, she didn't really discipline us in that sense. Um, and we just... We like we loved being around her. all the children in the neighborhood wanted to tell her their secrets, and she was just a lot of fun.
1: you know I think that that combination of positivity and security um, sounds like what you received from your mom, and that really is huge to to give both boys and gr- young boys and girls uh, confidence you know when they feel those two things from a parent.
3: I think that's absolutely right. I mean, the confidence is key, and I see that more and more now is that, you know, she just, I don't know. I just, she was always very confident no matter what, and it wasn't in, a, in any kind of arrogant way. I mean, people just took to her. She just had this wonderful charm that, that brought people to her, and she cared so much. She did a lot of church work and, and really um, cared about the community, too, so I think that, that, you know, it was very genuine.
1: Yeah. You know, um, Alicia, I understand that your mom passed, and she had Alzheimer's. And different. Beth's mother is suffering from that as well. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's something that, well, I'm going to let Beth talk a little bit about it and how it's affected her life and, and her relationship with her mom.
2: Well, I, was, I was just with my mom. That My mom turned 90. My mom's Alzheimer's was um, kind of the classic uh, later in life. She was uh, really diagnosed in her early 80s. And um, so it's been a progressive 10 years. And I I say every day that we're very blessed because um, our mom is the happiest Alzheimer's patient. She's pleasant to be around. Um, She's very loving. She tells us she loves us constantly when we're with her. Um, She sometimes knows that we're there and sometimes she doesn't. Last week was her 90th birthday, and I was telling Sue that, uh, you know, the greatest gift that I have is, you know, I've I always I know that you know the only thing that we're guaranteed is the moment that we're in, and and my mom has um, that is her gift. She's in that moment, and when I was with her this weekend, and I know it may sound like an interesting job, but I you know I wanted to make sure that my mom's feet were good because you know when you get to be 90. Toenail cutting, you know, I didn't realize this until my parents got older, that what a big deal toenail cutting and self-care of the feet were. So my sister was snapping pictures of me on the floor at my mom's nursing home uh, taking care of her feet. And she's like, she goes, yeah, I wonder how many breast surgeons across the country uh, go to the nursing home on the weekend. And I said, well, (laughs) if a breast surgeon has a great mom like ours, I guarantee you they'd be on the floor and they'd find the tools (laughs) to be able to do the job because it's the smallest thing that I could do to give back to my mom who – you know, I, 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 as I'm listening to you tell your story, I told Sue the same thing. My, my parents let us. We were at the creek. We rode our bikes around. We were given so much um, time, so much, you know, our parents trusted us. They, they truly trusted us when we left the house that we were, we'd be back. And, yes, it was a different era. It was a different time. But I believe that those, uh, that aspect of um, our parents, and particularly our moms, being able to let us, you know, find our own way was probably the greatest gift in the world and you know for me now it's that you know that the disease of Alzheimer's has although it's taken away my mom's ability to um, have the memories of a lot of the things from the recent years um, she still can pull out things from years ago and it amazes me um, sometimes how lucid she is and then the next Mm -hmm. minute she's gone yeah yeah. Was was your mom's was your mom's Alzheimer's a, an early onset or later onset? Life. She, she passed away at 62,
3: um, and and it was, was a very pretty early. rapid decline. Um, and it you know it's very sad to see. But if there is an upside to any of this, I think it's in some ways I would almost prefer to know when someone's passing because you have an opportunity to say all the things that you'd ever want to mm-hmm. say um, absolutely yep and i think closure. that that was if that if, that, if, that, if there's one upside I, I would say that 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 was it
1: yeah, closure great, yeah.
2: closure is something that it's a it's it's really a gift when you can when when someone knows that you're there and uh you know for for us i i tell everybody i said we are blessed that we had our mom with her memory for 80 years And the last 10, my mom was such always giving and doing and caring for everybody else. And I said, so at this point in her life, she's allowing people to do things for her and to be the receiver because she was giving and giving and giving all of her life. And I know that, you know, from from a, a personal perspective, it makes me look... At every day very differently and i'm sure that you you know you count every day that you wake up and that you're alive and you smelling the coffee and you know looking out the window at a great view that you appreciate it because you know that this is a gift that you know it's not guaranteed forever to anybody
3: absolutely i mean it's one one of the reasons why i started my own company and and uh decided to do that for myself because I just wanted to be happy every day and I love working I love what I do Um, but I feel like when you have your own company um, you you at least have the ability to tailor it to what you love doing the most and and you can live a more balanced lifestyle in a lot of senses but but yeah I mean I, I think that going through something like that, it also makes you really appreciate um, the importance of sleeping enough and eating well and getting exercise and all of these things that you can kind of, that you often push off to deal with later, like, oh, well, I'll just, I'll work out later in the week or I'll just splurge today or something like that. Like, I, 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 um, I took a lot of those things more seriously, too, and, and I think I'm a lot happier because of that also.
1: So that's a gift. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really is. Listen, ladies, we're going to take a quick break uh, for our sponsor. And when we come back, Alicia, I want to get right into the work that you do and, and all the questions Beth and I have for you. Okay, We'll be right back.
3: There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to this week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and at womentowatch.net. My name is Sue Rocco, and we are uh, being joined today by Alicia Ciret. Alicia is the founder and CEO at Pantagreon Capital, uh, which is an angel investment firm. And I do – you know, one of the questions was about the title of your company, Alicia, and I wanted to know why – it's important to you to focus on that passion and integrity piece of the work that you do. Well, I think with passion,
3: it becomes contagious. When there's an entrepreneur leading a company and they're extremely passionate about what they do, it gives you confidence that they can make it through any of the ups and downs, right? And if they hit a roadblock, they'll figure out if they need to pivot their business, but they just don't say no. They just don't quit. And I think integrity is really important because when you do hit a roadblock, you want to make sure that you're always maintaining your morals and doing the right thing, maybe when tempted to do otherwise, um, because it's really tough. As you probably know, if you're talking to tons of people and doing your, you, you know, your, your show, it's, it's really tough to launch something. It's, um, it's extremely emotional. You go through tons of ups and downs. And so I think passion gets you through all of that, and integrity uh, gets you through it too in, in the right way.
1: Yeah and also helps you to align yourself with the with the type of people you want to work with, right? Exactly. Or or businesses. Exactly right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think one of the first things we should probably talk about is the difference between angel investing and venture capitalists and maybe sure. maybe it's the same thing. Um, but if you could clarify that, I think it would help.
3: Sure. I mean, it, it, it um, does overlap at times, but the basic way to think about it is when there is a high-growth company, um, so let's say someone starts a business, and when they first start a business, usually they're using their own savings or maybe um, some of their credit cards to get things started, and then if there's, um, you know, if it's going well and they need to take in some more money, uh, maybe they might borrow it from friends or family, and then if the business continues to go well, usually the next group of people they talk to are angels. And so angels are investing after friends and family in usually what's called the seed stage rounds. Mm -hmm. And then if the business continues to grow and do well, the venture capitalists are usually coming in after the angels invest. So they're usually coming in in a a series A. And the reason I said earlier it sometimes overlaps is that you do have some venture capitalists that may invest as early as the seed stage, maybe to kind of get their foot in the door for a potentially um, bigger investment later. But the way to think about it is, Angels are often um, wealthy individuals who work actively with the companies and are, again, investing um, right after the friends and family invest, and venture capitalists are usually investing after the angels when the company is a little bit more um, progressed, a little bit more mature, and they're probably writing bigger checks. Right after that too.
1: What is one of the th- what is one of the very you know uh, most important things you look for as an angel investor in a business or a person that comes to you um, in in deciding whether you're going to work with them or not?
3: Well, I mean, I think with the the person, again, it comes down to the passion, integrity, and and really feeling like I click with them, um, mm-hmm. because I, you know, some of these investments can last for upwards of 10 plus years, which is longer than the average marriage, and so there is a, you know, kind <laughs> of a dating period where you get to know them and and figure out if if that makes sense to work together. But on the business side, you know, they're they're very straightforward criteria. You want to understand very clearly and succinctly what the business does. You want to know that they're they're attacking a big market opportunity, right? So this is more than just a corner restaurant. This is maybe the potential for software in all restaurants, you know, some kind of big market opportunity in a very attractive market. You want to know that they have a good competitive positioning, that someone couldn't come along easily and replicate what they're doing, mm-hmm. which may mean that, you know, maybe they've obtained patents or they, um, they, they've, do, they've done something protective in their business on the, on the uh, intellectual property front. You want to see at the point that angels invest, you want to see some significant milestones already hit. So maybe that means um, revenues generated. It could mean users to a website, but some some sense that there have been there's been traction to date in the business and that you're you're building on that momentum by investing. You want to know that the business can scale. So again, more than just like a corner restaurant, but you know software that could be in all restaurants. So something that could be part of um, you know, numerous businesses or, or sold to numerous consumers. You want to understand not only the, you know, who, who is launching the company, but the team behind the entrepreneur and how they how their skill sets come together to run the business. You want to understand very clearly how the business is marketing itself. Maybe they have salespeople. Maybe they have a social media strategy. What are they doing to get the word out about their business? Um, You want to understand all the financials behind the company prior to investing and what the projections look like going forward. Um, But most importantly, I think you want to understand – how much the company needs, what you might put in as part of their total raise, and and also how you might get your money back in the long run. I mean, you're investing in these companies. This isn't um, a charity endeavor, and so you want to understand that the entrepreneur is aligned with you, that if you um, think that the company would eventually be sold to a bigger company and that is your quote-unquote exit scenario, you want to make sure that you and the entrepreneur are both... Aligned in that goal, and that the entrepreneur isn't like, oh, well, you know, you just give me money and I create a success, successful business for myself, and they you know, I never sell it. That's, that's probably not a great um, outcome for for an angel investor. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's what the entrepreneur intends to, you know, to never sell the business, well, then maybe they just shouldn't take an outside capital. But but really going through a checklist, a lot of the uh, on a lot of those items, and then getting to know the entrepreneur, and then making sure not only are you, you, you know. You fully believe in what they're doing as a business, but you really want to work with them because as an angel investor, I think this is true for myself, but also a lot of my colleagues, is you really do roll up your sleeves and help them in any way possible. And that takes a lot of time and and you really need a strong relationship as a base for all of that.
1: Yeah. You know, I don't think we can talk about business and the economy and investing without talking about, you know, what's going on in Greece right now. And I wondered if you could comment um, about what was in the news today, their, their finance minister resigning.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to start on that. It, everything that I've, I've heard about the situation, I've been following it actively. I, I just I feel like it's one of those things where um, neither scenario is is a great scenario. Right. You know, if they leave the euro, then that's not a great scenario um, for, for anyone, and that's certainly going to rock the financial markets a bit. But if they stay in, you know, there's a lot of countries that may have to relieve a significant amount of debt and, and or, you know re you know negotiate uh, better terms or something to that effect it's it's that kind of continued path of austerity is probably not great for them either so you really can't win in either scenario and I think it's just a matter of this playing out and hoping that whatever they decide there's not a huge amount of volatility that you know has some kind of contagion effects into other nearby markets I think that's the big fear
1: yeah um one of the you know things we obviously talk about on this show all the time is the um you know the effect that women are having um in business and in the economy and I read a statement from uh, UN Women and it was you know an increase in female labor force participation results in faster economic growth. What do, you, what do you think about that, you know, that statement? And, and what, do you, what are some of the things you think we can do, you know, um, strategically to try to get more women into the workforce?
3: Well, first of all, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, when you're talking about more women coming into the workforce, I think that that is, you know, certainly directly correlated with higher GDP. And I remember reading an article once about Bill Gates. He was giving a speech in, I think it was Saudi Arabia, and somebody asked him, what do you think we should do to bolster our economy? And he was like, well, first thing, you have, ha- you have half of your workforce that's not participating in right. it. Right. Like, that is the big thing. Exactly. So I, so I think that that's, you know, that's kind of understood. And when it comes to putting more women in the workforce, you know, gosh, it's, there's so many different things that I, I would I would highlight here. I think it's a bit about government policies. You know, so I've talked to I was just recently in a um, group of women leaders in New York speaking to Joe Kennedy, uh, you know, congressman from Massachusetts when he came to town, and we you know we talked about a lot of the obvious um, policies that are that are out there that you know where there could be beneficial change, whether it's um, Better, you know, better approaching childcare leave, um, or uh, when you're t- when you're talking about um, other areas like healthcare, uh, you know, and how that 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 can help spur entrepreneurship. So I, I think that that's part of it. I don't think that that's the whole story. I think a lot of it is, it comes down to um, a grassroots level. And I, I'm going to go a little bit off on my, one of my mantras in life, and that is. You know, I strongly believe that as individuals, our money and our actions are our votes. And and I'll tell you what I mean by that as as a woman. I think that, you know, we can create incredible change. You know, women entrepreneurs, starting companies, creating jobs, creating new types of of companies out there. And and as women investors, we can encourage the growth of those companies by investing in women entrepreneurs. But on a very grassroots level, you know, there's so many things as as women that we can do to participate and change the system for the better so that it looks more attractive for more women to participate in. Right. Um, and And I mean that in everything from... Like, think about where you spend your money, right? When you, next time you choose a doctor, the next time you choose a lawyer, the next time you choose an accountant, a financial advisor, you know, if you're making a decision, you can potentially direct, you know, some, some of that towards a woman. Um, that, you know, that's helping build her business and it's also creating a great role model for, you know, the next generation of women to pursue those types of careers. Um, it also could mean thinking about, you know, when you buy books, like maybe buy books written by women who won the Pulitzer Prize or when you're um, going to see movies think about movies that really portray women in positive lights in, in um, maybe by women directors or women actors um, listening to women podcasts or or um, following successful women journalists and you know clicking on articles all of these types of things thinking about how we spend our money on products and and you know voting for women all of these things the reason I mention this is because it all adds up to again, Support women who are in the system, creating great role models, which then encourage other women to come into the system. And then I think that you know, for all of us who are very active in the system, there's the onus on us to also set great examples by again, you know, encouraging more women to start companies. Um, and if you are in a position uh, as an accredited investor to invest back in women businesses, encouraging that growth because oftentimes through that growth. They create more jobs and they're creating balanced companies, diverse companies where the cultures are often very encouraging, much more encouraging for women to be a part of. So I feel like it's, you know, it, the power uh, is really in all of our hands and especially as women today where, you know, there are more women breadwinners than ever, um, so many more women coming out of college, like there's just an immense amount of. Um, Ability that we have to make this change and to do it at a grassroots level, which really um, changes the whole system.
2: Yeah. Alicia, it's interesting what you say about the women run run companies, and I've found it uh, personally. I've been, I'm obviously here, I am the breast surgeon doing a weekly radio show now but that's because i really love sue when i met her when i was her guest on the show a while ago um and it was a win-win i did radio a couple years ago but i love being able to uh, obviously um, create change in multiple different dimensions and one of the companies that i get to work with is called metronic advanced energy it's a um it's one of the uh, fastest growing divisions of metronic and it was started by a woman jackie eastwood and jackie um, created a company with a very different corporate culture. And um, women do have very different leadership styles, but the amazing thing is that, you know, the company, although Jackie's no longer um, running the company, you know, their current uh, general manager continued with that same culture, um, and she is a woman. And what's what's fascinating to me is that seeing these large companies that, um, in the past when I had been involved with, big medical device companies, there was a standard kind of, you know, they'd eat their young to get to a, you know, to a place of success, and I mean, very competitive, um, you know, companies, but to work with a company that has women in leadership roles who Maintain that culture, which is, you know, I, you know, we joked about this when I was a resident. We, we would call our residency. We, they've tried to create a kinder, gentler residency so that you actually came out of your training with a, you know, still maintaining compassion and care for, you know, the whole person. Um, and so now, seeing this in companies and so many women-driven ventures, um, they're they're kind of holding. Tight to the the values that that I think are what you're talking about in in these um, in women in industry, and it happens in women in healthcare as well.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and I also think that you know on that point too. Um, what I was mentioning earlier, I think that we also we should really be supportive of all the women out there who are role models and who have. Um, really made great strides to be leaders for the rest of us, too, um, because it's really hard. It's really to kind of hard to put your neck out there. If you've ever written an article and published it online about anything gender-related, you will get trolled so quickly, you know? <laughs> and I'm on TV, and I could I could tell you, I won't on the show, um, some of the tweets that I've gotten, which is just, like, they're they're kind of out of this world, and it makes me appreciate the women who do um, come across as very strong role models, and so, uh, you know, the other thing I would say is like really think how we can be supportive whether you agree with the views of you know individuals or not like we really should respect the fact that there are so many women who have been pioneering these leadership roles and and they've been paving the way for all of us you know think about some of the great role models that we have now whether it's like a Janet Yellen or Christine Lagarde um, you know, Hillary Clinton, the women on the Supreme Court, they're just amazing. Melinda Gates, what she's doing with the foundation. Sarah Blakely, Angela Merkel. I mean, these are just Madeleine Albright. They're just like really phenomenal women out there, and I'm sure they get their fair share of, uh, you know, people um disagreeing with them in not so nice ways but but you know I, I love the fact that you took the time to you know say how you appreciated all that, that the woman had done because her, you know I'm sure that was not an easy job but then the whole culture and the whole um, organization benefited from it and that's pretty spectacular and that's,
2: that's and one she of the left the oh yeah and that's one of the reasons why when uh, after I was interviewed by sue I said to her I said the platform and the show that you're doing is so important because the women uh, every week I meet another amazing woman with a phenomenal story, and it's wonderful to be able to share the kind of the backstory because I think for other women to hear, you know, you know, I, you don't know this, but my my mom finished eighth grade; she didn't graduate from high school, and. It's always surprising to people because they think, oh, my God, you're a very, you know, you're a nationally, internationally accomplished surgeon. You know, I I really, I can't believe that your parents didn't go to college. I said, well, my mom didn't even finish eighth grade. She had to go to work. Mm -hmm. But your parents don't have to have a higher level of education to be able to instill in you the values and the things that make for a great leader and for a right. compassionate, caring human being. And to be able to share these stories of so many phenomenal women is the reason why I you know, decided to hop on board with Sue because she has a way of finding you, and I don't know how she found you, but I always ask her afterwards, <laughs> I'm like, how did you <laughs> find her? Because she's amazing. I'm like, why doesn't everybody know what you're doing? Because I, I find your story fascinating. I love, and you're so, and not that you're matter-of-fact about it, um, but... You're, you're so um, humble about the magnificence of your education, the things that you've done. I mean, that, that to me speaks volumes for why you probably are so successful, because you don't take yourself too seriously well
3: i don't know if i mentioned it earlier but i'm scared all the time you know like there's everything that i do i'm always like oh my gosh i don't know if this. so, so i feel like you know and then i do something and it seems to work out but then i'm on to, to the next thing that scares me So i feel like i just live my life in this like perpetual state of like oh my gosh am i gonna bungee jump okay i'm just gonna do it i'm just gonna do it and then you know and then that's down and then i'm, I'm on to the next challenge so i mean i i guess like if you look back and and you know, kind of chalk up all the, the different things, and yeah, I'm really happy I accomplish all those things. But I'm always kind of focused on like, what's the next challenge, and and what what am I really scared of doing, and that's what I have to do next.
1: Yeah, you know what, that's a recurring theme, Alicia, that I seem to hear from so many of my guests is the just do it attitude. Yep. It really yep. is, you know, because there's no one without fear, and every time you're trying something new, um, you know, if you don't have that fear, you know, you you could hurt yourself. <laughs> so fear yeah. is good. But I love that, you know, just do it. Just do it. What's the worst that can happen? Um, I
3: feel like I hear my mom's voice in the back of my head. Go yeah. for it, go for it. Like oh, that's I love it. that. And, you know, just to bring it all full circle. Like whenever I worry about, am I, you know, can I do it or not? Like I just hear her saying that to me, and I'm like, yep, I can do it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I know I'm that. You, you know, you're you're a mentor, Alicia, to um, to many. Um, there, I didn't even get to go through the list of things that you're involved in in organizations. You're a member of the uh, Women's Corporate Directors and mm-hmm. uh, New York Angels uh let's see what other the pitch deck I funding, the list goes on and on it takes a lot of time and you have to be selective right in in where you're going right. to put your time and your volunteer work outside of running a company tell me what something is um that comes to mind for you that you may have learned from a mentor and taken with you when you go to teach others
3: You know, I feel like this is a broad question, and since we're focused on women's issues, I might maybe tweak it a bit and. and, give some advice that I often give to, to women and things that Great. I've learned myself, maybe the hard way over the years. So yes, please I, I do. You know hopefully you don't yeah. mind, but uh, one of, so uh, yeah, I mean, in no particular order, I always tell women, ask for things like ask for things all the time, <laughs> right? Like, you know, just if you're going to a hotel and you're checking in, like ask for different freebies or like when you're in a negotiation, just ask for things. Cause the worst thing that someone can do is tell, you no. right. But you know what, if you don't ask, you don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing I, I would, say is, you know, I remember this from taking in a a negotiation class when I was in business school, always anchor high. So anytime you're starting out in any kind of negotiation, always anchor high because meaning that, you know, start with some kind of high number because you're going to go back and forth and you're going to meet somewhere in the middle. So you might as well start at a very high point. Um, I feel like oftentimes women will say, I'm going to start with what I think is fair. No, (laughs) anchor high. Yes. Yes. So that would be a big thing. Also, you know, power poses matter. Always be conscious of whether you're folding your arms. I always try to, if I'm ever being interviewed on TV, I'll put my arms on my hips, and and that matters. Um, I try to watch out how many times I say I'm sorry or, um, you know, kind of... temper anything that I say. I try to make more direct statements. Mm -hmm. And if I go to a meeting, especially, you know, with so many meetings over my careers have been all men, if it's a big table, I'll go and sit right in the middle. (laughs) And I always tell women to do that, too. Um, So those are some of the, you know, very kind of easy things that I would say right off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. You know, ask for things. Ask for things all the time. Always anchor high. Go right in the middle. Sit in the middle. Remember your posture and your poses. You know, the power poses do matter. And, you know, don't be apologetic. Like, you know, Sam's stand strong and be confident about what you want and and what you're asking for.
1: You know, that is the best advice, isn't it? And it's and I think that sometimes they say, um, fake it till you make it. If you're doing all those things, even though inside, you know, you're a little bit, you know, self-doubting and and, uh, nervous, it just shows your confidence. And, And that more direct statements I think is something that young women in particular really need to be taught. And that gets back to, you know, the whole um, issue of technology and, and young children and, and students and you know, even young professionals don't have as much experience in direct communication as we did growing up because of the texting and the emailing. And, you know, so it really does matter to learn how to be more direct and, and speak firmly and, you know, believe in what you're saying. Yeah.
3: And also just to maintain a sense of humor during all of it. You know, if I make a mistake or say something that i shouldn't have i'll just i'll just kind of laugh it off because what am i going to do beat myself up you know that doesn't really help the situation i'll i'll just kind of laugh it off and be like oh sorry well i learned i'll i won't do that again and right. then we move on yeah humor um, and is I key. Feel like you know to try not to take yourself too seriously or to take it too hard when things don't work out because things inevitably don't work out and and you just move on
1: yeah tell me what tell me what your your next challenge is or a or current challenge for you right now running this company
3: well, I started um, writing uh, more recently, and so I've been kind of tinkering around with that. Um, the TV stuff was a bit of a challenge, so that only happened in the last eight or nine months, and I'm, I'm on CNBC, I would say, maybe every week to every other week, and so <laughs> I'm, I'm still practicing and trying to do that so that I don't get nervous every time the camera goes on and, and that I'm not um, fumbling my words at all. So I, I feel like that's an ongoing challenge, and I'm thinking about ways that I can – use that skill um and and continue to speak for the causes and things that i believe in but the writing is something that i um that i've been giving a lot of thought to lately and um you know i started out with a few articles on linkedin but now i'm also thinking of like what are all the other articles that i could write that might be helpful to the entrepreneur community Um, and so that's that's kind of a new challenge for me too but other than that i don't know i mean i'm I, I often think like do I start another company at some point? Is there something that I'm, you know, truly passionate about or an industry I'm truly passionate about? I tinker around all the time. I'm always trying new things to see what might catch. Yeah. Um, but I would say as of late, it was, it's probably been more the writing of the articles and, and seeing where the writing might take me.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, I enjoy your writing, Alicia. I really do. And I, I've shared a couple of your posts. I think it's so important um, to when you're in the industry that you are and the regular folk like us don't understand the jargon all the time. Um, you write very um, clearly and, and understandably, and, and it teaches us something. Um, so I'm going to continue to to follow your posts and and your writing and your articles.
3: Oh, good. That's nice to hear. You, you should let me know if there's a topic you think might be helpful for me to write about for you or the community, because then that will prompt me into action.
1: <laughs> oh, I absolutely will. Here's a topic, because I want to give a really quick shout-out to, uh, a personal shout-out to my daughter, who's going to be entering the workforce. She actually accepted a position just today, um, and she's going to be moving and working in New York. Uh, oh, how fo- exciting. Yeah, she's a photographer, and she'll be working with Helen Fickle Laura. I'm not sure if you know her and her designs. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a beautiful line of jewelry and about eight different retail uh, shops across the country. So, oh, that's fantastic. Yes, and all the advice you gave today I've been giving to her, you know, these past six months while she's been job hunting, and it hasn't been easy. It's, uh, it's very competitive out there
3: absolutely but it sounds like she has got herself in a situation where she's going to be living in a fun city and have a great role model and maybe after she's settled in if she wants to grab coffee i'd be happy to to chat with her
1: oh that would be fantastic i will i will definitely take you up on that um alicia that's all the time we have today and i'm so grateful that you took a whole hour out of your busy day to share your story uh with with us and with women to watch well, thank you so
3: much for having me. Um, the, the only other thing I would say in parting is I am on Twitter, so if anyone wants to follow me, it's just my handle's just at Alicia Surrett, and uh, pentegrian.com is my website where I, I put up a lot of stuff from um, my writing or, or my life. And, uh, yeah, follow, okay. you can follow me there.
1: Terrific. And I'll so be we'll, sharing we'll that with the see. audience. Thanks, thank Alicia. You have, you have a great day. Ourselves. Thanks, Dr. Dupree. Thank see you. See you guys. Have a great day. Talk Thanks, to you, you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.